This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. of the Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about a 1-0 win in Mainz which marks a back-to-back 1-0 win, a one all draw away to Erst FC Köln and we will answer some listener questions. For all that more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Don't ask. No, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm weather and Köln match appropriately mooted. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry that uh, we do not have uh, much of a title race <laughs> to discuss anymore. But I think we predicted as much on the previous episode that we should just enjoy it while it lasts. But also here, and I'm delighted that he's finally made it, Konstantin Ekner, once again on the show. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. Hello, Matthias. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm. I'm glad you're here now after your uh, Wi-Fi crapped out. Uh, between the Cologne and Mainz game where we wanted to record another episode. But I think in hindsight, it doesn't really matter because um, Dortmund did lose, or not lose, but uh, did lose out on a, a perfect week, perfect English week. And uh, yeah, I, I guess let's start with a 1-0 win in Mainz, which, um, yeah, uh, was another game where Dortmund had the backline consistent of Passlack, Jan, Pongracic and Schulz and uh, it was yeah, I, I don't know where to start, Konstantin, I, I think you actually commented on that game for radio Um, it was a very tedious performance, don't you think? Oh yeah, that that took a while Um, also, funnily enough, after the game I um interv- interviewed uh, one of Mainz fan or Mainz podcast, I think Um. And I was trying to like get on the point that maybe Erling Haaland changed the game, the dynamic of the game, because he came in at the uh, 57th minute. And I think like that was the time when really things changed to the better for Dortmund. <clears throat> but the Mainz guy was more like, yeah, but I mean, we expected that to happen, that like after 60 minutes, our team will f- f- uh, fall apart because, you know, they had all these corona cases, 14 people in quarantine, blah, 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 as you know. And they basically expected that like their team will fall apart after an hour or so, um, and which more or less happened, right? I mean, Mainz, they gave away um, the game or they gave away um, control of the game um, after after an hour or so. And uh, so I, I don't even know how, how much you can attribute to Dortmund and how much you can attribute to just Mainz being in a, in a kind of a difficult and dire situation because of Corona. Uh, I mean, of course, when you look from a Mainz perspective, you always try to make maybe the best argument in, in favor of your team uh, because Mainz played really well the, the first half um, and they really put it to Dortmund for, I mean, 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, that was really good to create performance by Mainz, um, to be honest. And I, it was really one of these Dortmund performances, and we will talk about the Cologne game uh, quite soon. Um, same thing, like when, when Dortmund doesn't look like 
uh, like the you know championship contender side when when they more look like you know mid table side uh, playing against another mid table side because they lose all control of the game they are sitting back they are trying to press press doesn't work and then just I don't know just just uh, hell breaks loose um, and I mean when you when you play a backline with uh, John and Pongracic in the in the uh, Mainz game and then Paslak and Schulz at fullback um, or even John and Akanji. Uh, with uh, Paslak and you know a recently recovered COVID patient Guerrero, um, so I, I I I don't really know what to tell you, but I mean if you if you sit back and have that backline, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> help God, help God. Um, so I mean yeah, it was it was a match. It was it, it took a while. You you even I even saw in front of my Dortmund conceding a goal, um, you know falling back, falling behind against Mainz, and then it would have been uh, trouble even with Mainz losing energy over um, the course of 19 minutes. Um, still, um, that they won in the end it was one of these dirty wins, and I think like some like to make the argument, and I can play play the ball back to you guys, but some like to make the argument after, and they made the argument after the Bielefeld match. Yeah, you need these dirty wins to win the championship, right? If you still talk in t- in in, the t- in terms of winning the championship, you need these dirty wins because like that's what Bayern have done for many many years, winning dirty, winning close games you know when, when you're not really on top of your game but you're still winning and, and you know and same with mines dirty win late goal yada 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 um great but i think my argument my counter argument was always that's that might be true if you win a few dirty games a few close games but i mean when you look uh, back these past few months Dortmund had too many of these close matches um, then one one time it will bite you and you will not win the close match and then you will drop the uh, deciding points and you will not be in the championship race anymore at which there's an argument to be made that maybe they are still in the championship race somewhat uh, but that's that's my problem like we, I mean if you can win decisively or win at least like 2-0 3-0 and just go home um, and it didn't do that against Mainz it was a really close game it could have been two, point, two points dropped they didn't drop the two points there. They had to travel to Cologne to drop the two points. Uh, whatever. I mean, after all, they didn't win all the, all the games they had to win before the international break. Um, it's just not convincing what Dortmund play right now, especially in terms of um, imposing their will on another team. Uh, through pressing, through possession, but especially through pressing, it's just not happening right now. And it doesn't really matter if it's Mainz, if it's Cologne, or even if it's Bielefeld in some in some uh, regard. Uh, it's just not happening, and so that's why Dortmund are maybe struggling and getting to three points sometimes. But it's also the reason that they aren't always getting to the three points, and that's why they are six points behind Bayern right now. Um, so overall, I think the Mainz game was really like blueprint for why Dortmund are not really, you know, a true championship contender right now. Yeah, I was talking to a friend who obviously is not uh, a big football fan, but he was like, yeah, well, if Dortmund win the championship, I don't even know how hard I would celebrate because it just would not feel deserved. And I had to remind them, yeah, okay, but it's okay to win a undeserved championship <laughs> because uh, you're right, Constantine. In, in so many ways, uh, this Dortmund team does not look uh, like a title contender. You know, there is just... Nothing about this team where you think that uh, you know the, the, the football swagger uh, is is up to the level. Now, Matthias, that all being said, um, the couple positives to draw out of the Mainz performance is that once again, um, Dortmund had the work rate where it needed to be. I think Marco Rose said 
after the game that uh, they showed the basics and pretty much that's all they showed in, in fairness but at least the basics they showed which you know has been a criticism very often um once again notably uh for me Julian Brandt not starting even though I think he was fit and uh arguably could have used his creativity but I just think um the work rate overall does not uh you know of, of Julian Brandt uh, warrant a start right now um and uh, to Constantine's point, I thought the pressing was slightly improved, but obviously still far cry away from where it needs to be. Um, what did you make out of this performance, which at least was maybe gritty? Yeah, I mean, grinding out results is important. Um, and, and to kind of underline your point, uh, countering your friend... The Giants beat an undefeated Patriots for the Super Bowl and nobody cares. I mean, it's, you know, you can't really say that the Patriots didn't deserve, but at the end of the day, who wins, wins. Uh, but Dortmund are not going to win this Bundesliga season. So, uh, and grinding out results is important. And yes, Bayern do it, but Bayern have to do it maybe four times a season, like Constantine said. Whereas, and even when they grind it out, they tend to grind it out against better sides, not against some of these sides, not against Bielefeld as an example. Uh, and this game just, it was, oof, it, it was not enjoyable by any stretch of the imagination at all. Um, I actually enjoyed the Cone match more than uh, the Mines match just because it it was just that, that typical match that I kind of expected, but I did expect more from Dortmund. I mean, 0 0.8 versus 0 0.6 XG kind of says everything <laughs> you need to know about that Yeah, this game. would have been a scoreless draw um, if it weren't for that set piece. Goal. Yes, exactly. And, you know, sometimes that stuff just happens for you. Uh, but it, it's, it's unconvincing, to say the least. Yes, one has to understand that, you know, a lot of injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, to me, what this showed, what all of these three matches have shown now is how important the backline buildup is for Dortmund also when it comes to playmaking and creativity. And that's just not there. And so... I, I, are you telling me Nico Schultz deciding to move laterally around the midfield point and then having heavy touches not good playmaking? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, I <laughs> think that's up for interpretation. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it's, that, that's the kind of stuff right now with the squad at Dortmund's disposal, especially when you look at the back line and how important building up from the back is for Dortmund for years. And it continues under Marco Rosa. That's not a champions league squad. I mean, that is a mid table Bundesliga squad. When you look at, let's say, the back four, the way it's kind of been thrown together. Now, I know that's not the regular squad, so, you know, whatever. But given what it is, it's not surprising that Dortmund get the results that they do uh, right now. Now, t granted, they haven't lost any of these games. And they haven't conceded a ton of goals. They've conceded a goal. So that... You know, at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't quite know what to make of that. Uh, and they really could have won against Köln. 
So it's just the, these games are kind of leaving me so eh. I don't I don't really know what to make of it, but uh, it, a lot of improvement is needed, and more importantly, health is needed and and quality depth is needed. You know, I'm really struggling here um, to to explain to anyone who's asked me this, and I've been asked many a times, but obviously I I don't have any answers for the questions, why do Dortmund fullbacks last five minutes and then they die? I mean, Felix Paslak, uh, you know, really great for him to to get some minutes finally, obviously thanks to the injury of, of Thomas Meunier and uh, Marius Wolf being needed elsewhere um, or, or being played elsewhere. I, I guess Wolf could still play right back if you then put Brandt in there or whatnot. But, um, you know, he... Passlack did his job okay against Bielefeld. Against Mainz, he struggled a wee bit more. And against um, uh, Cologne, even more so. Um, but uh, against Cologne, he had to be subbed off at halftime. And uh, against Cologne, Nico Schulz had to be uh, uh, yeah, basically hooked before he could even start the game because he picked up a muscular injury uh, right, uh, you know, I think during warm-up or so. And then Guerrero, who... You know, just doesn't have the wheels at this point. Uh, needed to slot in there, and that just you know very unfortunate. Konstantin, obviously, you are someone who has you know dabbled a little bit in sports science. Do you have any explanations why it is? I mean, obviously, the running, uh, the running, the right back position or the left back position is one of the most intensive running intensive positions in football um but but still uh i'm scratching my head just a tiny bit why uh dortmund fullbacks just die instantly i uh, hopefully i mean luckily they don't die actually well uh, obviously i know what you mean yeah but um i mean i i don't know i don't know what they do um internally i i just think that uh some of these guys are not fully fit for, first of all they're not fully fit um, for various reasons, um, and I mean, uh, we will see what happens with Guerrero, by the way, uh, coming back from COVID. I don't know how, how, how hard his, his COVID case was, but uh, coming back from COVID quickly can be an issue, has been an issue with some... With some yeah, not ideal. With some, yes, it's, it's actually far from ideal, um, especially with, with something. I mean, we, we, not, we have a lot of data points now with COVID, Although the, the 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 illness or like the, the the cases are quite new, of course, but there have been so many, so it's a little bit different than like uh, other um, diseases. But still, um, it's it's not that well known. What it really uh, is when you come back and do high level sports so soon, have been some some cases where it was really uh, not ideal to to say the least. Uh, we will see what happens with him. Uh, usually, you shouldn't uh, at, if if you had symptoms, and even if you didn't have symptoms, when you're just at home. And quarantining, it's. I mean, you can you can run 15 miles in your house. It's just not the same. Sorry. Um, I mean, we had that at the Olympics, uh, at the Olympics, where some did uh, 10 miles running with, in in their hotel room. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> it's just not. It's just not what it what what it seems to be. Uh, but in terms of like these injuries, I mean, I think some of them are not fully fit. Um, some might try to get back too soon, so they are a little bit overtrained. So that the entire uh, the entire idea of um, energy management and Belastungssteuerung in Germany, 
um, that that's not only concerning match time and like how many how many miles you ran in a game and how many intense runs you made, so, but also just in general how many miles you put on your body or you're running uh, during an entire week and training and so on and in the, in the, in the, I don't know where else you know on the treadmill also. Um, I think just that they have essentially thrown it out the window um, and trying to get at least two on the field. Um, and that's that's something that really um, is the, the point of concern here. I don't think that Dortmund's fullbacks are much more, or that the, the role of Dortmund's fullbacks is much more demanding than, let's say, the role of an RB Leipzig wingback or something. It's quite actually not really, you know. If, if, compare maybe what how many intense runs uh, Angelino or uh, um, I don't know a ben, a Benjamin Hendricks has to do. And I just take RB Leipzig as an example. Uh, you can take other other clubs and other teams in the Bundesliga. Um, so I don't think that the role is that demanding. It's just that the guys who are on the pitch are not fully fit. Uh, Belastungssteuerung has been thrown out the window, and they just. Pray to God that um, basically nothing happens, and then still things happen. Uh, because when we, when we look at the injuries, just just one one uh, one po point uh, of argument, uh, Stefan. Then I go back to you. Uh, I mean, we have a Schulz has a muscle injury, um, and and Paslak also has a muscle injury, right? The, the others are the, oh no, it's not on transfer mark, but there were a couple of muscle injuries recently, or um, injuries to ligaments, but also where it could be from basically stress uh, stress injuries um, so or you can also have ligament injuries if you are too tired and then your reactive system your body is not fast enough to prevent an injury what, what because what happens is if you if you get tackled and you're and you're all, all totally tired your body does not automatically you know that you don't really control it uh, with your brain and, and like like consciously um, you, your your body doesn't really protect you that well or protect the ligaments that well and then you you snap something or so and that's also when you're really tired um, that can happen and that's why sometimes you get ligament injuries when when uh, players are you know that tired and are not off the pitch um, so I think that's really the, the case here and that's why I mean fullbacks of course have a demanding role all, all in all but also the fullback situation is so just I know there's like a domino effect now right because you've got Moray who's out like for a long time and then Guerrero had all his troubles and then um, Mounier got, got, got injured and then you got a new one new one blah blah blah, blah yada 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 and then just it, uh, you know one domino st uh, stone falls after another yeah but it's so interesting because it's not like uh, Nico Schultz for example had uh, tremendous strains on their body but obviously you need to ramp that up but too. you don't know but don't, you don't know what condition he was in when he went on the pitch yeah that's that's a, that's a problem you, you don't know if he had like a minor injury in training or something I think they just at this in a, at another point in time they would have said maybe ah uh, maybe you shouldn't uh, put uh, Schultz in there but there wasn't any other option to be honest you know other than Guerrero who just came back from COVID and it's just like alright what do we do do we you know, jump in the mud or jump in the shit. <laughs> take your, yeah, take it, your, take your pick. <laughs> it, it is, it is a very uh, vexing situation. Let's put it this way, because the season has been marked by injuries across pretty much every position, and it's disrupted Dortmund season in so many ways. Um, I, I think we can also. Um, talk about the performance of Erling Haaland uh, across those two games um, because, uh, you know, when he came on against Bielefeld, when he came on against Mainz and when he started against Cologne, 
uh, he just looked very out of rhythm, out of shape, and his work rate was, you know, hard to compare to Marlon because Marlon, you know, did work much more effectively, let's say, but also closed out his pressing situations more often in these three games. And uh, yeah, when Marlon, uh, when Haaland came on against Bielefeld, to me, he was standing around for the most part. It looked a little bit better against Mainz, but still not where you wanted to be. And then against Cologne, I thought it was an outright wrong decision um, if you were just going for the result to to start Haaland because uh, the way Marlon performed within this team and the previous games, I would have uh, stuck with him and then maybe made the change at halftime or so. But to, to start Haaland... Um, to to me was uh, entirely wrong call um, because he just not is in rhythm. But you know, if you want to make sure that Haaland gets or gains rhythm, then yeah, probably should start him and and hope that uh, he he goes from there. But uh, yeah, taking Haaland off with like eight minutes to go for for Marlon seemed very nonsensical to me, to be honest. Because yeah, maybe that's the maximum time that Haaland can play, but at the same time, eight minutes. Not really any amount of time for for Marlon to to get rhythm and to find himself into the game and make a difference. So to me that was very frustrating. Um, Matthias, it's been you know two very weird games in in the sense that to me both times Dortmund didn't actually deserve to win. I I think uh, we just already said that the Mainz game should have arguably been the scoreless draw. Um, if we look at the Cologne game, maybe a one-all draw is deserved. But you know, especially looking at the first half, I thought that Cologne were so dominant and so you know good at outplaying Dortmund in terms of of pressing and winning the ball back. It looked more like a vintage Dortmund performance. <laughs> um, based on on that, I mean, obviously Dortmund got better in the second half when they uh, switched their system a little bit. Uh, but nevertheless, um, what what does it say about these two clubs and their uh, trajectories? Oh, I don't know if it says honestly a lot about the trajectory for Dortmund at the moment, uh, but for Köln all season under Stefan Baumgart, their trajectory is clearly up, um, without a doubt. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to talk about Europe or anything like that, which I always find just a little awkward and weird. I mean, everyone's talking about it. You may as well say, yeah, sure, we'd like to qualify for the Europa League or the Champions League. It's okay to say that. That doesn't mean it increases the pressure. I always find that silly. But be that as it may, it's great to see Köln play like this. I thought Köln um, had, a, I, I would say, the first half, it was just like the typical thing. You know, Dortmund... For the first 10-15 minutes, it uh, felt like they were, or 10 minutes maybe, they were, you know, in control, kind of pinning Cohen back aside from one chance. Um, and then in the second half, it kind of started the same way. And But Cohen in both halves had all the shots for like the last 10 to 15 minutes. And that for me is always a little bit concerning, but it's the Cohen that we expected, you know, high press, aggressive, uh, forward-playing, forward-thinking, a very exciting team. And Dortmund were just, I mean, struggling to find rhythm. 
Um, and Köln did a lot to facilitate that. It wasn't that Köln sat back and frustrated Dortmund and they just couldn't find a way through. They played in an aggressive manner and stood on Dortmund's toes often enough that it was very, very difficult for Dortmund to get going. I mean, we just have to look at press. Uh, Köln had 205 presses versus Dortmund's 167, which, by the way, is pretty much the same amount of presses that Dortmund had against Mainz. So that um, says a lot there. Mainz only had like 120 presses. So that's the kind of thing. You mentioned it. It was you or Constantine or both of you that the pressing just doesn't seem cohesive from Dortmund, which well, it's, it's to, usually to, it can't be. A striker or, or Marius Wolf or someone is making the run and then look around and the entire team doesn't push up the field really alongside or accordingly because maybe they're too sc too scared uh, of the ball over the top or something. But I don't know. I just this has been the point of criticism the entire season that is it's not cohesive and it's driving me nuts because how hard can it be? Apparently it is very hard. Well, it's actually very hard. I yeah. mean, especially when you think about how many seasons Dortmund were not, these players were not asked to press aggressively. And even under Tazic, it, it took a long while. I mean, it was completely disjointed for the longest time where individual players, and I, in my head, I'm always seeing Marco Royce pressing, nobody else presses, and obviously, then you have problems. Then you have trouble when only in, uh, two or three players press and the rest don't. And um, my hope is that that will improve next season. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, maybe it'll get better here towards the end. Obviously, there's rhythm missing when you have to chop and change your squad so often. But at the same time, it was just, again, for the first 10 minutes, for Dortmund, it was really good. It was very good. But how often have we said that this season? Oh, the first 10 minutes. So we were really good with their pressing and everything. And the difference was here they actually scored. Other games they didn't score, they, they sometimes conceded. So I think that's that's the major issue. If you get a, a team that is more cohesive, less disjointed, and where the automatisms <laughs> work better, I think then you will have the results you need. Uh, and I do believe Marco Royce is missing. I think he's had a great season, and not having him in the squad, especially for these types of matches, is a problem. Yeah, now, uh, quickly, let's talk about um, Marius Wolf, Matthias, because I think um, he's a player you, or, or his, his kind of style, probably something that, that you like. Um, he now had uh, three goals and one assist, I think, in the last uh, four or five Bundesliga games. Um, he scored against uh, Gladbach, he scored against Bielefeld, and he scored against Cologne. And I, I must say, the goal he scored against Cologne was not that easy to do because his first touch from that, I think it was Bellingham's long ball, uh, really nice. Uh, touched it, I think, first with his right foot and then finished with the left foot uh, against the, the grain of the goalkeeper, if you will. Um, you know, it wasn't a powerful shot, but it was a well-placed shot. Um, and, uh, yeah, a player that obviously had been loaned out to Cologne uh, previously. Um, what do you make of, of him and his current role? And uh, maybe let's pivot 
to what his role in the future might be or should be, in your opinion? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I like seeing him as a winger, I, but at the same time, if you really want to compete at the highest level, I just don't see Marius Wolf as a regular starter for that. I think he's good at what he does, but he's still limited in certain things that I think you need to be at that next level. So impact sub, quality rotation option, but if you're banking on him to be ago, a regular starter at right wing, I, that's not what I would look at. Well, fair enough. Um, I would make a slight counter-argument. That uh, Dortmund managed to succeed with the likes of Kevin Großkreutzer or, or Kuba Blaschikowski. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. Um, Fair enough. You know, it's yeah, it, it's 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 a very long time ago, yes, but uh, nevertheless, I think um, if you have the the, the right squad, um, you can make a player like Marius Wolf work. And I really enjoy the work rate, and I said it on the last show. Sometimes I enjoy a media. A mediocre player giving 100% more than a highly talented player giving 50%. You know, obviously, you want the, the highest quality player uh, really fighting hard and, and battling in the, in the Marius Wolf kind of way, but uh, this is something that's it's really hard to get. And, and I, I feel like Marius Wolf can be a player in, in, in many games where um, he makes a crucial difference. And uh, considering, if you, if you look at the, the goals he scored now, I, you know, his scoring technique isn't all that terrible. So there is a little upside uh, there. It's not like he's completely useless. Although I agree with the overall point that, um, you know, obviously he's not of the quality you would really love on, on that position. But at the same time, um, I, I think Dortmund need a player like him just, just as well who you know, fights a little bit harder and then closes a few more gaps than, than other players would do. And, you know, he has his qualities in, in, in the ball-winning department. And, you know, if you want to press high, I think he's a good player to have. And, you know, as Jürgen Klopp used to say, you know, counter-pressing is the best playmaker if Marius Wolf manages to win the ball high up the field. I think, uh, you know, you can work with that. I don't know what your opinion is, Konstantin, but I think it's more in the Matthias section than in the Stefan section. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, I guess you can have him uh, as like your, you know, <laughs> I know good feel story or feel good story, and as a, as a work rate uh, guy, and you can have him play maybe wing back if you have a wing back system. Uh, so with a back three, I think he works quite well. You can have him play some games and, you know, over the course of the season, you need players like him. Uh, should he be, like, in your perfect starting 11 if, like, all players are fit and in form? No, he shouldn't um, because your ambitions are, you know, competing with Bayern possibly uh, and your ambitions are to, you know, to get to the round of 16 at least in the Champions League. Um, so I, I don't think he's really made for that. Um, but you still need someone like him. And I mean, um, you know, looking forward in the future, like Ansgar Knauf is also a type of player, you know, where you think like, all right, he will never be outstanding or something. But, you know, Knauf has the speed and also the work rate defensively, by the way. Um, and with, with Wolf, he has the dynamic and the work rate. And it's, it's, never, it's never a bad thing to have a few of these players. 
Um, but also, it has happened in the past uh, with other players, like Torgen Hazar has some, sometimes set a world on fire and then he went missing again. You know, some of these players, they will never be truly outstanding and you will have to work with them more as role players or as bench players, as sub players or as, you know, substitute players uh, than as your perfect starting 11 players. So uh, I, I guess that's kind of what Marius yeah. Wolf's role will might be. I mean, right now, of course, many at Dortmund are happy that he's still around because, they, I mean, there were times when, when people were like, what, what, he's still around? He's, he's still on the contract? He's still getting paid? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was me at the beginning of the season. He was like the top candidate on my players to sell or to, to give away. I think I literally said that I don't think he is Dortmund material and should, uh, you know... Well. Get rid, be getting rid of. But uh, now I'm sitting here and being like, oh, I'm actually grateful that he's still here and uh, you know is helping this team to do to achieve something, yeah. even if it's just uh, achieve second place. But uh, you know, right now I think he's making Dortmund better, not worse. And uh, that's oh, I agree, Stefan. I agree with you there. I'm thankful he's here because without him, Dortmund would be significantly worse off. I think you have these kind of players at many clubs, right? You got these players where they, they can really, over a short period of time, they can really make a difference for whatever reason. Um, sometimes you can't really explain it, but it's still there. They have like this one month where they, where they are truly outstanding and, and I don't know, just things happen and um, you, you don't really know why. Or they may, maybe, uh, you know, they are informed and not, a lot of our people aren't. And I think that's also the case with, with Wolf. Right now he's like really on top of his game uh, in this, you know, in this month of March or even February, March, and a lot of our Dortmund players aren't, or they are injured or not fully fit, and so there's also the difference, the discrepancy between Wolf and a couple of his teammates, and that's why you know you think like, all right, he's 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 doing he's doing really well here, um, and he's not a bad player in general. I mean, he had his he had his uh, time at Hannover and so on, uh, where he was really good, but. Um, yeah, I mean, don't count on him being like, you know, the future of Dortmund's right side or something. I mean, just don't. And I think, I, like, no one is as delusional uh, to think that uh, in, in Dortmund's hierarchy right now. I mean, they, I think they know what he is and, and what he can do and what he can't do over a longer period of time. I mean, there's still there's still a difference between, like, let's say, Marius Wolf and uh, Giovanni Reina. Uh, if Giovanni Reina is, like, you know... Fully at 100% and like really focused and makes maybe another step in terms of maturity and understanding the game. I mean, th there is a difference between these two players, for instance. You know, just speaking and who could play on the right side, for you know, because Reina could be a candidate to play on the on the wing, of course. Um, so I, I guess no one no one really thinks that Marius Wolfs on on the level of, of Giovanni Reina. Yeah, I I think we can all agree on that. Um, you know what else is there to say? You know about these games. Obviously, uh, Matthias, you and I, we had a very uh, hopeful episode, almost cheerful, <laughs> um, previewing these games. And you said, you know, so it's, it's your fault. Yeah, maybe uh, we said it's uh, you know if we beat Mainz, it's four points, and uh, then we you know basically see where what Dortmund can do from there. Obviously, if Bayern then lose to Freiburg, which can happen, Bayern and Dortmund win against Leipzig is three points again. So it's 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 not like the title race, the, the chances are entirely out of the picture, out of the question. Like there is still a minuscule chance, but obviously belief is not entirely there, especially after those performances, <laughs> if we're all uh, quite honest. Um, but uh, yeah, 
you know, I, I guess we'll just move on and uh, look then forward next week uh, to the Leipzig game and see what that can bring. Um, in the meantime, I think there are a couple of list of questions I want to get to. Um, uh, and and one uh, I I got a relatively long DM from at uh, Pearwood, and uh, he, you know he basically asks. Uh, he, he wrote uh, BVB with the strangest defense in a long while. Show great great team spirit and manage two times uh, clean sheet. Roy Sommels, Haaland, Reiner, Brandt, Guerrero, Akanji out, and the rest of the team suddenly work hard as hell, uh, which is something we probably also picked up. Uh, and he's writing right now. I'm watching Knauf being a star player in Frankfurt against Betis, working on the right side in both defense and attack. It's such a joy to watch him play at regular, uh, regularly at this high level. Ginter has been a major player in uh, Gladbach for many years. Dux is having the time of his life in Bremen. I'm sure there are many other examples of ex B4B players leaving without getting a proper chance at Dortmund. What's wrong? Why is it that uh, Dortmund year after year struggled to compose a team which is a consistent, hardworking unit? And most of all, don't manage to develop own talents like Knauf. Matthias. Yeah, okay. You I, I, oh, boy. Oh, given my mood, this is a great question. I'm glad you shot it over to me. <laughs> I really, really appreciate that. Um, okay. I mean, if we're going to knock these down one by one, Marvin Dux is playing in the Zweite Bundesliga. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Ansgar Knauf is playing at a now uh, more struggling Frankfurt side again. And uh, that's why he's there, because he wouldn't get past players. He wasn't good enough to get past the players at Borussia Dortmund. He's so moving on. Ginta, I don't know. Uh, did you watch him play at Dortmund? Because he was not very good. And sometimes players bloom later. And so be it. I'm surprised uh, did, you know the question didn't include Daniel Ginczek. You know, I mean... I, that kind of stuff, I mean, that's revisionist and it does nothing. I mean, Dortmund not developing its own player. I mean, I, whatever. That's uh, Dortmund does a very, very good job at developing players. The problem is when you are playing at the highest level, like Borussia Dortmund, then only a fraction of your youth players will actually be good enough to make it through to the first team on a consistent, regular basis. Oftentimes, they're good enough to play in a mid-table side and look good often enough. But if you would then put them, like Marianne Zah, in for Borussia Dortmund at the highest level, they will not look that good. Matthias Ginta was not, when he was at Dortmund, the player he has then developed into. That is just a fact. Uh, also, the timing was a little weird at that time when uh, Dortmund was uh, flip-flopping between managers and things like that. But to say that Dortmund aren't good at building a cohesive squad, uh, that I mean, I'm sorry, I just, uh, no, I, I completely disagree with that. Uh, that's That's a very odd take for me. And to pick those three players in particular... As an example, should have picked Isak. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Isak. Well, Sergio Gomez now as, as a left back doing well elsewhere. Yeah, but at the same time, there was obviously an issue that they couldn't break through there. <laughs> I mean, hell, if you're going to pick players that Dortmund had, didn't perform well at Dortmund and then did well, I mean, Chiro Immobile is probably <laughs> the best example. This is the prime candidate, yes. You know, but 
but still, it's like those are bad examples. This isn't like a player that Dortmund let slip away and then became a mega superstar. Uh, you know, we're talking about, I mean, Marvin Duksch is a second Bundesliga caliber player, nothing more. So that's, I don't get that argument. I'm sorry. That's, to me, that question is a little off. All right. Uh, then, Konstantin, I don't know if this is an easier one, uh, but Della Andrew at cool. Everton Soccer asks, and I think this is prompted by what uh, Patrick Berger said from Sport1, that Dortmund are basically willing or allowing Hazard and Julian Brandt to leave if they sort of want. I, I think that's mm -hmm. what he said. And the question is, should Hazard and Brandt leave? Who are the two players Dortmund should replace them with? So... I mean, we have to maybe break it down. I think Hazard is a really a uh, true winger. I don't really see Johan Brandt as a true winger. He's just, I don't know, he's not really, he's not the winger type. Um, so if we look at, let's say, just the wingers in, in the Bundesliga. Um, and, and Wait, I never, ne nobody said wingers. What, what, are, what are you getting at, Stefan? We need two wingers. I don't know what you're getting at, but uh, neither Della nor Stefan said that uh, don't want need to sign two wingers. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to uh, explain things here. What what uh, what's wrong? What's wrong Fine. with you? Have you eaten bad things? No, but I'm just thinking like like who? who? <laughs> I've I've only eaten a, a glazed donut. From well, Whole that explains a lot actually. Uh, <laughs> that explains everything. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, if if we replace Hazard, uh, I think we have to look at like one of these uh, quick uh, dynamic wingers, and I'm just trying to. To f uh, figure out who in the Bundesliga might be an, an interesting replacement. Problem is, like the Bundesliga is like so I don't know so down on on good players right now. <laughs> to be honest, um, I don't really I don't really find one. Uh, we, I mean, of course you could buy DRB if he's available, but he's too expensive. So uh, there you go. You can't really buy him. Not interested. Not in you are not interested in DRB. No, I'm not. Okay, what? One of the like ten, ten best. I can't, I can't, I can't sign another Leverkusen player. I'm sorry. All right. Um. Okay. Good. Good for you. I mean, interestingly <laughs> enough, interestingly enough, I, I would, I would actually maybe approach Dominic uh, Sobosley, uh, because he's unhappy with the situation in Leipzig. He doesn't fit into the Leipzig system. He's not really uh, the the type of player they need. Uh, there's no position for him, by the way. Uh, so I mean that could be interesting because there's uh, still a lot of talent there. Um, so, so that might be an interesting uh, approach. I mean, Kostic is not available. Kostic is like with, with one and a half legs in in, in Rome already. So uh, there you go. Bye bye, Kostic. I mean, he was there with one and a half legs, uh, or was it Napoli last summer too? Yeah, but now I mean, uh, it will be more time. You know, right? There was more of a. La I think that the times have a little bit changed. Although interestingly enough, I mean, they don't really have a position for him at Lazio, so. I We'll see how that works. Anyway, um, I mean that's that's Philip Costa's problem and not ours. Uh, when I go through the other other teams, um, yeah, I mean there there is not really what. It's just this. I've, oh, it's, it's so hard, really. I mean, let's be honest, it's so hard to, to find to find a good uh, winger right now. If we look more at like central of uh, attacking player, like to replace um, Julian Brandt. Um, also, kind of struggling to find one in the Bundesliga right now. I mean, is there even, is there even a good player? Let's be honest. Like there is not even there's, there's there are two good no there are, there's one good striker Dortmund could sign from the Bundes from the other Bundesliga teams. That's it. 
And, and one good defender. That's Nico Schlotterbeck and that's Patrick Schick. And Patrick Schick has a bad foot and has, has, has running issues. So there you go. The Bundesliga sucks right now, all right? That, that, that's it. If Dortmund wants to sign play, players from our Bundesliga clubs, you got Nico Schlotterbeck, but we already signed Niklas Süle, so I guess that's out the window. And you could buy or you could sign Patrick Schick. That's it. And Patrick Schick has a bad foot, as I mentioned already. My God, like the Bundesliga is screwed. <laughs> Not even Dortmund can, can now go through the Bundesliga and sign players. What's going on? No, but, ser but seriously, but seriously, that's really a problem for Dortmund, I think, right now. That, that there's, there's not, a much, not much offered in the Bundesliga, like from other clubs. I, I feel like Dortmund have fared better when they sign talents from League R anyway. <laughs> uh, but you, can't, you can't cite the entire League R. I mean, I, they are sometimes unwatchable. Uh, <laughs> who, who you want to sign? Renato Sanchez from, from Lille? Oh, by the way, that would be a good signing. Renato Sanchez uh, from Lille uh, for Julian Brandt. I like that. Good one, good one, uh, Stefan. Yeah, you're I'm, welcome. I'm serious right now. Renato Sanchez is the is deep player at Lille, and he is he's like five times better than he was when he was at Bayern. Um, him coming in as a as a six eight, Julian uh, Brandt gone. Julian uh, Brandt was never a winger. Um, I like that. Stefan, good job. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. And, and, I'm glad we figured out. And maybe as an option uh, to come to Dortmund to uh, maybe rebuild his career a little bit. Sobosli, I, I I really count on him. He's he's just fucked at like uh, sorry. Sobosli or Soboslai <laughs> or whatever his name is. Sobosli. Um, Sobosli. Uh, is he is he good at one on one dribblings? Is that no a skill set he has? He's not. Okay. He's he, he's like one of right. these guys who, who needs like five five tricks to get by one. So he doesn't do that. But what he's really good at is passing. And I think Dortmund needs a he needs a skilled passer at wing. Yeah, seriously, right? Because you have all these, you have all these speed merchants at Dortmund, or I have some speed merchants at Dortmund, which is nice. Uh, by the way, Karim Adeyemi, speed merchant. Um, so I think you need someone who's good at passing for, for, uh, from outside, um, and so someone who can really like uh, also do well with Guerrero on the left. So that would supposedly, and and uh, Renato Sanchez could be in center midfield. These are two options. And and and, and by the way, don't sign Adeyemi. Thank you. <laughs> uh, right now, it seems this transfer is breaking down a little because hopefully, uh, yeah, because uh, clubs can't agree on a transfer fee, and I, I would really appreciate if Dortmund do not like fingers crossed pay thirty <laughs> or forty million or whatever for Adiimi. I don't think he's worth it just yet. So, um, Matthias, uh, do you have any uh, players you would like to see Brand uh, and Hazard replace? Should they leave or? Uh, do you even want them to leave? <laughs> Do I want them to leave? I don't really want um, Togan Azad to leave. I feel like when he plays, uh, he tends to do really well. His issue is just he's not getting the game time he wants. Um, Julian Brandt, he's so up and down, um, but I'd hate to just give up on him. But I agree with uh, Konstantin that having a, a player on the wing that can pass the ball... And to help unlock defenses is a key. And in my head, for some reason, I'm thinking like Riyad Mahrez at Leicester City when they won the title. I mean, he played out wide and his passing opened up so many opportunities for Jamie Vardy and so on um, that that's something, someone like that, a playmaker on the wing um, would be uh, very needed I would say, uh, by Borussia Dortmund to help unlock teams more because that's the main struggle you have at Dortmund um, when everyone's healthy is that when you have those teams, the Augsburgs, uh, 
uh, of the world that sit deep and just don't move out is how to unlock them. And if you can add creativity from a wide position, not just a central position, your chances increase significantly. So exact names, I'll be honest, I'm struggling right now. I don't think Dortmund need even more pace. They are plenty pacey. But um, yeah, I, and, and striker-wise, okay, you say Patrick Schick. I, I agree he'd be a good type of striker for Dortmund. But yeah, I he's still also, want Sebastian Alea, but he's not. Yeah, he, he's, mm -hmm. Alea is the number one. Yeah. Alea, I think the issue that Dortmund would have with Alea, they're looking at him as the upside in the long term, maybe, uh, age-wise. But, um, you know, with Schick, you're dealing with injuries. I mean, Zula is out right now again. So, I mean, Dortmund are bringing in a player that's going to be injured a few times. Um, yeah, challenge yeah. for for everyone name a Dortmund target that's not currently injured. <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> how's Renato that's Sanchez? That's true. Doing? That's true. Even Adeyemi is out injured right now. Oh really? Oh Jesus Christ! What what, what about uh, future Dortmund superstar Gianlucas Gamarta? <laughs> oh, actually, uh, Renato Sanchez. I just looked it up on transfer markets. Is also out with the yeah. He's he's, in, he's injured. He didn't play against Chelsea, but that's that's okay. I mean, uh, but he he. Oh, that's played, okay. He, He has played plenty this year, right? Fine. He has played plenty this season. He's he's really well. His 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 starting eleven quarter is forty eight percent for Lille, and his uh, game time minutes is at forty four percent. I mean, if if he would so. change the if he would join the center midfield uh, core, he he would of course not. I mean, there are a couple of center midfielders. I I guess that would work with Sanchez. The also the other thing is like I don't know how much uh, how much money actually Dortmund have right now to spend on, on transfers because like Sanchez and uh, you know then you got a you got a striker who's expensive um, and then maybe another player. Well, I I don't think it's a lot. So uh, yeah, Sanchez was out with a meniscus injury for uh, almost uh, well not first half of the season but for let's say a third and then he had a couple of muscular injuries here and there but yeah. otherwise he, he he played pretty much oh, oh i see you run straight <laughs> yeah i mean he at, at least he runs straight i mean patrick schick you can't say that about him so um yeah uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh other potential uh, signings for the defensive midfield because uh i think uh, the name uh elish Skiri came up right before the cologne game i don't know if that was just uh Uh, the old Bayern trick, uh, trying to unsettle the opponent or whether there's something else to it. Uh, I heard names like Anton Stach being dropped, Florian Grilic, and uh, like I said before, uh, Debril So. Um, Konstantin, any of those players you like in the Dortmund uniform? Uh, Skiri I like. Um, I think Dortmund have to address... Uh, because uh, when we look at, at the entire squad, even if Hazard leaves and even if Johan Brandt leaves... Uh, if we look at the squad, I think there's still enough potential uh, for the winger positions. Um, And you can maybe sign one, or maybe you have to sign one winger. Um, but there's there's enough in terms of central or attacking midfield, right? I mean, with Reyna and with uh, Royce, and uh, you you got still like Dahoud in this middle position and so on. Uh, the position you have to address is really uh, the number six because Axel Witzel. I mean, he, if he if he turns, it's like a bus. Um, so, and you need to address this really really uh, number six, true number six, not like a <laughs> no, number six. Um, so I think Skiri is, is the no because like there there are so, so many number eight number six six eights right these these Dahoud type of players or Jude Bellingham type of players who are more eights than six. Um, that's like <laughs> out of context. It sounds weird. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm at sixes and sevens. 
but uh, continue. All right, pass. Um, so I think that Skiri is, if you look at the Bundesliga right now, I think Skiri is the one player you should look at and, and, and try to sign. Um, because you still have a little bit left, you can still, you know, play the hoot maybe at six sometimes, and you still can, but Skiri, I think he's ready to go. Um, he's, he's, the he's the player. Cheaper so can be a number six, is kind of a number six, is a bit a little bit more of a number six eight. Is also a little bit more of a Bellingham type of player. Some not not really Bellingham, but, but you're moving forward number six, so to say. So um, I think good player, but I think uh, Skiri is the it's the player you need that holding player basically, and Skiri is that player. Um, so you should sign him. Otherwise, I mean that the interesting thing when you look at international football, there aren't that many number sixes at a high level. I mean there are some, but it's not like there are plenty. I mean, of course, and then you have the the, the the type of players who cost 100 million or so, like Casemiro. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, so Skiri is yeah. 26 years old right now. Uh, he will turn 27 in May. He is 1 meter 85, and his contract is running out in 2023. According to Transfermarkt, his value is uh, around uh, 13 million. And uh, yeah, that's it. I... I don't know. He, he did not play against Dortmund. I don't know if that was injury related or uh, he was replaced. Yeah, I think he was replaced by by because of injuries. Yeah, he he was uh, not uh, in the squad. He had a couple of knee problems and he was out with illness. I don't know if it was COVID or not um, no, this season. But otherwise, if if he's if he's available, he's played. I, and I think he was also uh, out for Cologne because he was at the Africa Cup. Yes, he played there. Matthias, do you have uh, any other uh, defensive midfield options? Maybe a nice number six from the Bundesliga or from maybe Liga or uh, Serie A or I don't know. I don't know. Sebastian Kiel from 2005? <laughs> 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 um, no, I, um, no. I, I like him. Um, he's such a vital player for Köln that it would be good to get him to Dortmund. <laughs> Since um, and, and not to hurt Cohen, but just because I think he would do the job necessary, and and that would free up players like Bellingham and Dahoud to not have to track back in certain situations or to be in a more progressive passing position. Because week for a week, man, I take a look at Dortmund's progressive passing numbers, and they are not good. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, much progression won't be done on the yellow wall pot now either because I think here's a good time to end this show. Um, thank so, you. What, one thing, one thing. Can I can I throw uh, in one name? Just, 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 just we have it on the fine. record, right? Oh. Fine. Go ahead. Okay. Oh. Uh, no, just one name, and he, he's a defender. But you already mentioned that Zulus are is all, always or uh, so many so many times injured. Uh, one name, like we should keep an eye on, and he's a little bit out of left field right now. But that, that is Jesus Valero, uh, the former uh, Eintracht Frankfurt defender, because he's not playing at all at Real Madrid right now. And I think still 25 years old. Um, he has shown what he can do. He was. Really, really great at Frankfurt. And I think if you want to have another defender and maybe someone who's not that expensive and you have like a relationship with Real, I mean, they're, they're, you know, Watzke and Paris, they are buddy buddies. I don't know what they do. These these two these two old uh, old weirdos. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, I, I guess that um, Valero would be an interesting signing for Dortmund. Okay. Thank you, Thank you for that contribution, Konstantin. <laughs> no, you can contribute My by pleasure. telling our listeners where to find you on the internet. Why, why are you so hostile today, Stefan? 
It's it, it. I don't know what Whole Foods puts in their donuts. Probably not the good stuff. That's why I'm. I don't know. I, is it I, I is like it Roy Rage, Stefan? It's 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 just it's just everything. The world's collapsing. It's uh, Dortmund uh, playing pitiful football against Cologne, and so on and so mm. forth. So please just just put me out of my misery and help me end this show. Oh, put me out of my misery. Bring me out to the yard and... Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, they can find me on Twitter. CC underscore E-C-K-N-E-R. There they will find most of my stuff. They can check me out on Instagram. They can check uh, me out on YouTube. Um, and I think there you will, will be helpful with everything you need to know about me, moi, myself, monsieur. All right. <laughs> Matthias, do you have a whole link tree to post as well? Or? No, no, I do not have a link tree to post. Um, you can find me just on Twitter um, because I, I don't want to talk to anybody else anywhere else. Um, uh, you can find me there. You don't even want to talk to anyone Matthias on Twitter. That that's Twitter. true. Yeah, that's you're, true. You're just a hater. I, I am a hater. Everything kind of pisses me off right now. So yeah. I guess my mood has rubbed I feel off. Like, I feel like we need to get Stefan. a sponsor, like the Sleep Number 360 or something. <laughs> hey, because I'll be honest. We up, This is like a really bullshit tangent now, but we upgraded our mattress and pillow, and they're amazing. Oh, my God. But it still doesn't help you when your dog wakes you at 4.30 in the morning. So anyway, you can find me on Twitter where I don't like to talk to people. <laughs> draftkings.com <laughs> yeah I, I, I think uh, a podcast I'm listening uh, to right now uh, it's called The Rights to Ricky Sanchez it's a Sixers podcast and they have uh, Big Barker Dog Bats something they advertise so maybe Matthias it's something for you to look into so maybe that your dog can sleep away from the bed and not, maybe not wake you up that way unless he is already not sleeping in your bed and just barking or whatnot. I don't know but our our dog sleeps with us in our bed. Anywho, you can find me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to subscribe to the show, please do that via Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, etc. Pretty much every podcast. Maybe we should also get a get a link tree for that. And uh, yeah, that's all for us from now for this week. We shall be back with the preview of the. Leipzig game, which I don't know how much meaning that will have, but we'll uh, make sure to preview it uh, either way. So, uh, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening and goodbye.